Joe, what do you call a pirate with two eyes, two hands, and two legs? The new guy. Welcome to Carnival Personnel. I'm Joe. I'm Jacques. Uh, it was September 19th this past week. Uh, it is National Talk Like a Pirate Day. Uh, we found that out uh, upon our son's birth on September 19th, up team years ago. Not up team, went on to the team, Jed. Thank God he's still under teen. Under teen. Pre teen. Uh, but yeah, September 19th, Talk Like a Pirate Day. You know, How so. did the mass pirate celebrate? Uh, who, probably. Who, yeah, who cares? Who cares? But six months later, uh, <laughs> what, what is a pirate's favorite letter? R? You'd think, but it'd be C. <laughs> C is a horrible joke unless you flow the inflection in there. But but it is Carnival Personnel. Welcome. Uh, uh, let's get right into it, Joe. Uh, big, big week. Uh, you know, um, last night, Dan Cray and Beyond Did played at Ralph's. Let's talk about Ralph's for a minute. Let's just talk about the venue in now, Worcester. Oh, so, okay, we weren't. you weren't playing at the... Is a defunct supermarket chain in, in California? <laughs> no, no, that supermarket chain is still kicking ass. Okay, great. So you weren't playing at a supermarket. That's fine. Ralph's Diner? Yeah, Ralph's Diner in Worcester. It's a staple. Been there for like 40 years. Yeah. And uh, looks like it's been there for 60. It might. I mean, the parking lot is one giant moon crater. Uh, it's old. The room itself, it's a good-sized room. I think it, you know, it's... I think it's a 150 capacity room. Um, Did we fill it to capacity last night? It was pretty close, actually. But here's the best part. Now, I'm not. not, We'll get into the music and the other bands and the fun. Would you talk about the decor a little bit? Well, as you approach Ralph Steiner, the facade is that of uh, like a cable car, right? Oh, not a cable car, but like a a diner car uh, from, you know, olden days. And you walk in, and I wasn't. I was pretty sure I was walking into the right place. So you walk in, um, to the left is a, a small bar and eating area, and to the right is kind of like my basement. It's, you know, stone walls, but it has another bar area, um, and some, like there's a pool table further back. Uh, there's a little arcade machine, which is cool. They have a TV. So it's a nice little setup, and it's got some seating. It's, it's actually, it reminds me of like the Rat Skeller or something like right, that. Right, very Rat Skeller-ish. Yeah, and it, it actually brought me back. Like it, it took me back to the '90s, man. Like honestly, I thought I, I thought I stepped into Seattle when I walked in. Yeah, and well, they, not Seattle because they didn't have that kind of decor, but you know, the '90s. Well, I mean, the rat, you know, just like you know, which is gone, which is kills me. It's been gone for like 20 years. That's how old I am. But that was a club that when you, it's a hole in the ground. It was literally a hole in the ground in the shadows of Fenway. But when you go down the roster of the bands that played there. It was everybody. It was absolutely everybody who, you know, who went on to play the Garden like years later and stuff like that. Yeah, but like, didn't like Ozzy play there, Black Sabbath, and all the big names. It, even go back, you know, the people like Doors and stuff like right. that. You know, played played there. Um, but yeah, so Ralph's. But it, it's it's so hard. To, I we should have taken a bunch of pictures or anyone could look up. I took online. a few pictures. Yeah, but it's just um, it looks like. I like a half a prop shop. If anybody who works, like our friend Sally, who works, you know, at a, at a prop warehouse at Universal, it's it's a club inside a very small prop warehouse slash. Picture the end of Blair Witch Project, but with a bar. 
That's okay, basically right, it. That's, um, and then I pointed out to Joe at one point, I turned around and I noticed like, you know, some of the big speakers facing out, hanging from the ceiling. I, I, I just pointed, you know, I'm like, those are no sure approved. <laughs> they look like something, something out of a Warner Brothers cartoon where you, you picture Wiley e. Coyote at the other end of the chain <laughs> holding up the amp that was attached to the ceiling with some sort of like a clipper and then like a red X underneath. But it was, uh, it wasn't, I like the vibe. It's a really great place. It's got a bunch of, the stage area is actually on the second floor, which astounded me that there was a second floor. I thought it was a one level. You go up to the second floor where the actual, there's a third bar and a stage area, which looked like the Muppet Show setting. It had that same kind of proscenium kind of look. Painted back. It had like. Right, like a painted backdrop. A a painted um, curtain backdrop, but at the front of the stage, if you notice, it's almost like like uh, like a setting, like yeah, a like set, a puppet, like a puppet show, right? Kind of thing. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And had like this little proscenium. I think that's what it's called. It's like an archway. Look at you! I am making up words. <laughs> Go back and you look. Peter's up that. at home saying it's not called that, you moron. <laughs> I think everybody is saying it's not called that, you moron. <laughs> but it was fun. It had uh, and it was good and loud too. Joe had something wrong with his face the whole night. It was um. Was a smile. Oh, is that what they call it? <laughs> well, the whole time it's like Joe was like really. You had a great time. I was actually bobbing my head and tapping my foot, and then we went on, and then I went, "Grandma, <laughs> Grandma, <laughs> this music speaks to me," and it did too. It, it. I knew. It's nice to know the words to the songs that are being played, for the most part. Oh, well, I'm sorry, for the least part, because I knew the words to maybe. Half the words to three of the songs. That's about the same with me. Right. Um, <laughs> there were four acts that night. I don't know if you want to go down the list real quick. Uh, the first act, Winter Project, they were a pretty good band. Um, the Rationales, who we've had Dave, the singer, guitar player from the Rationales on the podcast before. They're one of my favorite bands, and we pl- Dave used to sit in with us a lot. Dave Marabella. Dave Marabella uh, from the Rationales. His brother is his drummer, which, you know... He lets me use his kit, which is, you know, I, I love playing with the Rationales because I hate to leave the house ever under any circumstances, but I like to see them. So if we play gigs together. Uh, it's a two birds with one stone thing. And at the same time, his brother, who is a great drummer, lets me use his kit so I can continue to be lazy. I'm like, yes, I left the house, but I didn't have to lug drums and set them up and break them down. I want to make a real quick announcement about the Rationales, and they announced at the gig last night that they are nominated for the second year of the ro- in a row, um, the uh, uh, what is it, the, for the Boston Music Awards Americana Artist of the Year. So, uh, voting is open. You go to the bostonmusicawards.com page and vote for the Rationales. Both of you who are listening. There's three people. And seriously, take two seconds to do it. They are a great band. Um, please do that. And it is. It was a lot of fun. Now. Now to the headline. Now to. Well, what's, <laughs> what the funny thing is, so the club, you know, wanted the rationales and, and us to headline. And we're like, yeah, no. Right. <laughs> we don't want. Like, we are so far past giving a shit about when you go on. Like, the the biggest thing is we have to go on back to back because we share equipment. So <laughs> you don't have to take everything off the stage and put it back. And I like the way you did it because Beyond It went on first. And yeah. the rationales had to pack up the equipment when they Shh, finished. Don't. 
Don't don't peel back the onion anymore. You just stop. Uh, so it is. It's it's great playing with them. But by the way, let's we were skimming over the playing. Like so, Beyond Did goes up, and this is sort of a monumental moment. And you've been hyping this for a couple of weeks now. But let's just reiterate the fact that this is the first time the three original members of Beyond It. I presume original. No, no. I knew it. There was some bullshit backstory no, no, that I missed. Uh, uh, let, let's. Here's the thing. <laughs> In high school. Spinal Tap was a movie I, I do not want to exaggerate. I've told you a million times, Joe, not to exaggerate. But pretty close to out of the 365 days in the summer between my junior and senior year and, and the summer between my senior year and, and what should have been a first year of college, but it was minor league hockey, um, my best friend and I, Daryl, probably watched Spinal Tap 300 times. That is not an exaggeration. It maybe was 290, it was maybe 310, but we watched it nearly daily. It was the funniest movie ever. A couple years later, go to school, meet Dan, decide to do a band, put the band together, start playing shows, and then I realize... Oh, Spinal Tap's not funny at all. <laughs> There's nothing funny about that. It's, it is straight up Ken Burns documentary. We had a uh, Spinal Tap relationship with bass players. Um, the first bass player was our friend John Hunt, who, who you met. Who That's right. He is uh, lives in Austin. His band Five Head is truly one of my favorite bands. We, you know, he sung Asshole Neighbor. Um, He's probably my top 10 favorite songs. Um, thank God for Indie Rock is also, I mean, yeah, Thank God for Indie Rock is my favorite John song. Anyways, so John was in our band with Dan for about six months to a year. And then John went to Germany for for a year, did school in Germany for a year. Or so the Germans would have you believe. Uh, at that point. Oh, actually, no, I'm going to back. There was a guy, and I haven't said this name in years, kid named PJ Nichols, who... Um, I'm gonna do a sideshow one day just on BJ. He was uh he was the uh, stoner douchebag who could play a couple um Cat Stevens songs on a guitar and use that to wow like you know stupid 18 year old like freshman thinking it was a cool type thing, and he just happened to live with uh, a a girl that uh, my friend you know came in college lived with and he wanted to join the band and we didn't we didn't give a fuck we we, we would just jen and i were just getting together to jam uh so he was the first bass player then came john because i met john at uh and then at, came john at, at, at xpl the radio station together so he he was the first real bass player he goes to germany our friend rod joins the band uh, and, and we had an extra room in our apartment and rod needed a place to stay and he couldn't stay there if he was our bass player um and so I remember it was about a 24-hour period of time. And in the 24 hours, for about 18 hours, he sat there trying to figure out the Pixies Gigantic. And he got it. It was like, great. You can live here. <laughs> he was going to live there anyways. Uh, he was also the gateway to Pepsi and Busy. Another story for another day. Uh, and then John comes back. And then John was kind of the bass player. And him and Rob would switch off playing bass and guitar and stuff like that. Uh, then they both got tired of my shit. Um, and started their own band, and at which point Sean came in. And the funny thing is, like, 
Sean was with us three times longer. He probably recorded more songs with us, definitely toured more and played more shows with us. But it was really funny because I think he always felt like, wow, John, John is. John, he, John mostly plays guitar and sings, but he, for a good 10 years while in Austin, was a hired gun touring bass player in other bands. And he toured with other bands that he didn't love. I love this one. I liked this one band, Silver Scooter. He toured with them because it paid enough to pay for his band's recording and stuff. So he would tour as a bass player, which was great because he would come through L.A. once or twice a year with this other band and then come back like six months later with his band, which he came up with the money from touring with this other. <laughs> He's also probably a better drummer than me. And so we used to call him like, you know, the uh, uh, the Phil Collins of good music because <laughs> <You know>, <laughs> Phil Collins can play so many instruments. Uh, at the time, there wasn't a David Grohl yet. Like David Grohl was just the drummer of Nirvana, so you couldn't make the comparison. But that's but so Sean's been with us the longest time. Um, I when I moved to LA, we lost contact. There was no email. There was a you know uh, Dan and I still stay close. Dan would come out and play shows. Uh, I didn't think I saw Sean in like twenty years, but I guess I had it a couple times. But as you know, I literally didn't remember playing a couple of shows when I came back because <laughs> I'm I'm an asshole and I was a blackout drunk. But uh so he wanted to do the show a couple weeks ago and it couldn't have been better. It was so great having him. It was so great just being, you know, around him again. Um and it was really funny because he was so amped. It wasn't quite 25 years to the day, but his first show with us was within a two, three-day window 25 years ago at Ralph's. And he was so excited about it. And I truly have no recollection of having – I thought it was our first show at Ralph's ever last night. Wow. I guess we played there a lot. <laughs> we'll return to Behind Beyond It. Sorry, sorry. After okay. these words. All right. So enough of that. It was great. Oh, no, no. We, I'm burying the lead. Right. So they wanted us to headline. We don't. Like, I was in the rationale. We're like, no, we're, we're great being sandwiched in between. So they had this band headline. Uh, Gold Star, Star Boulevard. Boulevard. Um. I'm pretty sure the T-shirt I am wearing now predates that band. <laughs> <laughs> well, I said it to your management when I was backstage with her. Backstage meaning to the side of the stage near the ladies' room. Ladies! When I saw these kids walk in, they're literally kids. Like, well, I can't say literally kids because they're about, what, 18, 19? 19. I turned to her and I go, I loved him in Stranger Things. I loved him in Stranger Things. <laughs> And I shit you not, one of the singers in the band or the guitar player looked like the asshole boyfriend of the girl in Stranger Things season one. The, Who turned out to be a good dude. Right, he had the bat and at the end, yeah, yeah. Like, he looked like that guy. Spinning image. Yeah. There was one of the kids, and, and, they, and he, he toggled between playing bass and guitar and singing. So, the, you know, the drummer, you know, they're, they're all... They're all 120 pounds, 15 pounds soaking wet. Yeah. All 5'11", six feet tall. All jailbait, according to somebody I saw on Facebook mention. Uh, yeah, my, my wife has a thing <laughs> for young rockers. God bless her, you know. And uh, hopefully uh, old rockers as well. <laughs> so so the drummer, long-haired kid, um, a really sweet kid. I mean, it's just, they all have their own look. It's almost like, the, you know, it's almost like a, they were a boy band of cooler music. You know, he had like red 
jeans on. I almost said red blue jeans, but blue jeans dungarees are, are tend to be blue. I think <laughs> I'm not. You know, uh, really, really nice kid, a decent little drummer. Uh, the the bass player fell out of a 1984 Prell hair commercial. His hair was uh, 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 Fabio. Fabio. Barbio. Was his hair not fantastic? He was the guy that looked like the kid in Stranger Things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but truly, he, he, his hair would rival anything in an 80s. And you know, it was gorgeous. And I'm not being a smart ass. No, you're not wrong. His hair was great. A woman from the audience, before they played their, no, after their first song, yelled to them, You have amazing hair. You know, they, um, and it applied to, I think, all of them. Except for the kid with the baseball hat on his, you know, he had short hair. We're getting him. Oh, sorry. Jumping ahead. So the kid who did most of the singing, um, white boy fro. Brother, I think. But I get, yeah, the, the one with the gorgeous hair. Right. Um, he had like curlier hair. Really white boy fro. And, and he had like a. He had a red necktie neck. around his um, head like a bandana. Uh, which, banda- is a, which is a cool look. Bandana on the ankle. You know, they literally looked so 80s. It was great. Right. Um, the other kid, the one with the short hair baseball hat. And the. Beard. Well, yeah, just uh, beard, beard. I think is very kind. All right. <laughs> I think the next time he shaves, going to be the first. Uh, for a good five to ten minutes, it was probably thirty seconds to sixty seconds, but it's not like five to ten minutes. Dan and I watched as they were in the corner, like milling around their gear. Him wrestling with how low to unbutton his shirt. He would huh. unbutton it like three buttons down and look down and kind of turn and then button it up one and kind of walk and see how that looked. Then unbutton it four buttons. And this went on forever. Management gets there and I'm like, you have to watch this kid. And while the rationales were playing, they were all you know in their area and management was like, oh my God, for an hour. For an hour. Well, it's kind of like what Nomar did in the on-deck circle. Right. With his, with his, right, with with his, his glove. glove. Yeah. Um, and, and then seriously, it's like they, they, they were they were adorable. They were fun. Um, decent little band. Um, I, I, you know, we, we will definitely we were definitely like, you know, play with them again. But it was really funny. I finally had to ask when their parents came over to talk to them before the show. And I'm like, I'm older than them. I'm <laughs> older than their parents. It's, it's, it's one thing that out of the 12 songs that we played, I think nine of them are at least Five years older than any one of those kids. I think the only mistake in their being headlining the show is that the median age of the Gold Star Boulevard band was half of the median age of every other band that preceded them. Right. I mean, for Christ's sake. Um, they had and the, also and also a third of the weight. I gotta say, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seriously, uh, uh, oh goodness, uh, metabolism hasn't entered their realm yet. <laughs> no, like, it's 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 coursing through oh, there. Yeah. Oh, those. They, yeah, they 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 had a couple big fans. Yes, they had a couple big fans. But they all they did have a lot of fans, and I'm like, oh my god, those kids. They're they're not going to bed to like six seven at night, and they're going to have a great time. And I don't think alcohol is involved. It was everything I could do not to go over, like run over to them and say, I just got here in a time machine. Where are you from the future? <laughs> Make better choices. <laughs> and just scare the fuck out of them. Uh-huh. Uh, but they were. It, it was a lot of fun. So it was the first show that Dan and I played with Sean since I moved to L.A. in like 95. Yeah. So it was great that he's like back, you know, with us. Um he almost he, didn't make it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Uh, 
And what's fun is, you know, Sean ran in a different circle than I did, and and he ran in more of a circle. Like, Dan's circle overlapped a little with his. John's circle lapped over this. Like, people what? were aware that I was the annoying friend with Sean. But it's, like, it's one of those things. One of the best parts about playing is I get to see these people who otherwise I've mo- – I'm not going to anybody's wedding I went to college with who I barely know 30 years ago. It's it's not happening. I, I want to go to – you know, a sibling's wedding at this point, you know. <laughs> I'm so on the fence and my nieces and nephews moving forward. I'm really going to send a nice gift. Look, I can go to your wedding and get dressed up and do all this stuff or double the gift. So, you know, <laughs> let's really be honest. I don't want to be there. You'd rather a $50 check than 25 <laughs> This sounds like a conversation you had with your wife at some point. Look, I don't want to be at our wedding. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I kid I, uh, I, I won't bother them. They won't bother me. The whole flow opens up, and yeah. uh, but it was it it was a lot of fun. Uh, so I'm, I'm you know so the Rationales, one of my favorite bands, not one of my favorite local bands or Boston bands or bands I know. One of my favorite bands. Um, go to the website again, vote for them. They're great. Looking forward to playing with them again. And we would we would definitely play with those kids again. They were a lot. They were a lot of fun. And and a decent like they had a couple originals that were really fun. Um, they played. A, it's it's like they got into music around the time that the first Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack came out. So they looked eighties, but had a very seventies rock vibe. Thank God for nostalgia keeping music alive. I mean, for seriously, Christ, I was excited to see that like young of a demographic playing music i'm like well wait, wait so hold on what, they, they don't have a laptop like what's going on what is happening here i mean i don't care if they're kitchen throwback or whatever i like it one of the uh the, the kid who and, and then look we all we knew where it was going to wind up he completely unbuttoned the shirt and look uh, if i looked like that i would be out there playing without a shirt on either Kudos to Jacques for actually picking up on these details because I had I, I I knew the guy had a shirt on. I had no idea there was all of this internal, you know, evil versus good struggle about buttoning, unbuttoning. Not evil versus good. It's it's but, sexy versus smoldering. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. He was weighing the fire codes of Ralph's. Right. Uh, but you know, he sang Jailhouse Rock. And and he wasn't full on Elvis. But had enough of a wink and a nod to Elvis in his version of it. It was great. So that was on. That was last night, Friday. You know. Uh, but a week ago, a week ago, Friday, uh, you and I had another outing, Joe. And so in eight days, you left the basement twice. Yep. Once to check the mail, and then the <laughs> other. Oh no. Uh, so immediately after recording last week's Carnival Personnel podcast, we went. Uh, we went, we took the long Sherpa hike up the to the top of the street and over to the Regent Theater in Arlington Center, where we got to see Emo Phillips headline. And do I say headline? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's, oh, definitely. Well, yeah, because there were two comics that opened for him and and, a, and an MC. So there was three. Oh, right, right. There was three comics. I forgot, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, good. These, the, I mean, complete Boston. Mid, every the th- three. Fifty-year-old, no, doing. It's, you think older? Oh, you got emo lumping. No, in no, no, the other guys no, who opened for the him. guy from. Um, um, oh. there, there was a comedian. There was a comedian who was younger. Thank you. Who was on America's Got Talent like three years ago? Oh, let's think. We'll think of his Is, name before yeah. we're done. 
Um, it's like Anthony something. But but two guys, the two Boston guys were fifty plus. At least half their um, half their routines revolved around how they used to be drunk and and Boston drunk Irish guy stories. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Here's the first thing. Joe, on this podcast a week ago, was talking about he saw email open up for Weird Al a few months back and did a half-hour set. And Joe's exact words were, it's going to be fun to see him do that exact same set, but stretch it out slower for 90 minutes. Emo comes on stage and he says, I was just in Boston. And he starts talking about how he opened for L and did a half hour set. And now, you know, and a bunch of people like applauded who had seen him like Joe. And he goes, it's going to be hard making the exact same set last an hour. <laughs> he literally, how he heard our podcast before it dropped and used that same joke. I go straight for email, Phillips. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't want to break the fourth wall. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was, He's, you know, the, uh, the other comedians were fine. Uh, when Joe finds a guy's name who opened, it's like, I oh. won't. I don't know what it is. No, he, there was a Joe Carroll, I think, was the, the MC. And then there was another guy, Jack, somebody from Boston, older guy. But like it's 50s. all about emo. Right. It's, it was all about emo. And it was all about that annoying woman in the audience from England. So he... he Emo is great. Emo, uh, Joe's Joe's youngest son, Joe's Joe's two sons went to see uh, Emo and Weird Al with him, and his youngest one completely nailed Emo. It's like I don't know if I really like him or hate him because he's really annoying, and that's that's so Emo's sixty two. And he talked about having been doing comedy for forty two years now, like a touring comic. Absolutely great. I mean, his, 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 it's observational-ish humor, but it's always kind of from an observation of a crazy person. Yeah. <coughs> um, but then, there was, so this, <clears throat> there was this woman in the audience. Do we want to get into it now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. About, about two-thirds of the way through, there was, a, there was never any heckling. It was, it was a great show. It was fun. Um, you know, there was a. He doesn't do a lot of banter with the crowd, but there was a little. He did some crowd work. I mean, he had a like he said he had to stretch out a thirty minute routine into <laughs> right. sixty. So some of that was crowd work, and uh, I think he mentioned like, does anybody have a birthday? And somebody, you know, an older guy, maybe on the spectrum. Okay, probably on on the spectrum. He says, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm just I'm the same age as you or whatever, and they got into that. And then uh, later on. Uh, a woman, I don't know how the audience was prompted to respond, if there was even an opening, but she, like Emmett Smith... On had a joke. <laughs> and had found an opening. And, and decided to, I'm going to help you with your act after I have years. a joke. I'm, I'm sorry? <laughs> I have a joke. Okay. How many... No, he asked her to tell her after. Oh, he yeah, right. He really tried to get oh, her thank to... thank you. Yeah, to, to tell her after the show. And, see, <laughs> and she goes, oh, no, it'll be... It's just one joke. And he goes, I know. That's what I'm hoping that we'll tell that one joke after the show. And she says, No, no, it's real quick. She insists. And he goes, Okay, what's the joke? How many tickles does it take to make a squid laugh? And then he didn't legitimately didn't hear what he she said. Finally. People understand, and then everybody, like I think, twenty people in the crowd yelled 10 to Coles." Get it? 
because it's a squid. And um, hilarious, better than the other four comics. Yes, and then and, and then she shut up. I think uh, three minutes later, <laughs> but popped back up a couple other times. Right, and then in the, the meet and greet afterwards, we saw that the, there were about a dozen or so people standing in line to meet with Emo Phillips. But beforehand, he was on stage like gathering his things, and she went up on stage to like shake his hand and talk with him and you could see the like the MC come around and like usher her away eventually like because Emo's a nice guy and he's probably scared of this person rightfully so yeah and she was you know and she wasn't you know like crazy but she was acting it she did her, <laughs> I would have I would have nominated okay. her for and an award he um, for, for crazy acting he he like he's a professional comic 42 years he wasn't like tearing her apart but like when she wouldn't shut up he goes are they serving alcohol at this venue <laughs> uh, politely you know yeah. what emo has the patience of a saint <laughs> all right go ahead uh, no no we'll move on all right um I'm not doing did anything. you see did you see the ryan reynolds clip that i sent you i not only saw it i showed it to my older son how much more could I love that man? <laughs> uh, I told you after you showed me the clip, or you sent the clip to me, or whatever, talked to me about the clip. I said I was watching a YouTube video, and an ad came up with Ryan Reynolds in it, and usually I skip ads. Not this time. I decided I have to see how it plays out, and it was funny. But the clip that you sent me was him on the set of a Michael Bay film that he was shooting, and he posted it on his Twitter or Instagram or both. And do you want to describe it? You, you, you'll do it better. Oh, of course, because I'm so eloquent with words and such. So he's standing in some sort of like a, an alleyway. You can see in the background, it looks like it's kind of a, it looks like a, like a European location of some sort. You see some older buildings in the distance. But he's talking on camera um, with this backdrop of, you know, uh, these are European buildings behind him. And he says, what's it like to be cast or working in a Michael Bay film well it has to be the 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 subtleties of uh, of the characters that he portrays and as he's getting into the nuances of a Michael Bay film all of a sudden you see a camera car drive in the distance behind him and then following that camera car is a van that immediately hits another van and blows up in a spectacular thing and he's unfazed he's still Brian Reynolds is still like you know describing how you know you can see in the eyes of the actors of uh, the emotions that they're trying to it's it, people think the uh it's it's the it's the action scenes in Michael Bay movies that are are what sets them apart it's no it's it's the you know yeah right it's it's the nuances <laughs> of the characters that they portray um and it's really funny and now we've spoiled it for you so don't even bother looking at online because uh, we did such a good job describing it. Thank you, Joe. Okay. We're not getting into sports right now. No. But we're going to talk about the Red Sox for a moment. <laughs> the Red Sox, Joe. Yes. The team's been around for over a millennia. Yes. Um, I haven't watched since 2011, but you can't help but know things that are going on. They just wrapped up the American League East for a historical third year in a row. This the story franchise that has won three World Series in the last decade, the uh, last 14 15, years, yeah. you know, uh, but in a decade period that's of a time. Met, that's a metric decade. So they, they 2004, 2007, 2013. 2013. So in a decade, they, they had won. We get a recent. Gotcha. Um, but yep, they've never won three divisions in a row. And 
they, um, they, of course, like any time you win a division title, wanna wanna commemorate this with a banner, right? Go. Okay. So the Boston Globe <laughs> decides to. Uh, th- th- there's a story here. Trust us. So if you look on the BostonGlobe.com or their YouTube page, there's a video of these two gentlemen from Massachusetts who happen to have stumbled upon in their travels a legitimate Red Sox banner to be hung at Fenway Park commemorating the 2018 American League East Division Championship. Um, Which is commemorating kissing your first cousin, by the way. (laughs) Um, It's not as... It's not as bad as uh, some of the banners hung in the Indianapolis Colts uh, stadium. <laughs> but anyway, this is a little bit more legitimate. So anyways, you, long story short, these two mass holes are on camera talking about how we were driving down McGrath Highway in Somerville and we see this package fall off a truck and it's... And it's like, and it's laying in the middle of the road. And my my buddy here crosses three lanes of traffic to pick up this thing that's wrapped in paper. Now Joe Joe's doing a good voice here, but these guys, these guys, truly fell out of Goodwill Hunting or The Departed. They're they're the they're the background characters in The Departed. Yeah, right. If if, if the extras on Goodwill Hunting could speak, <laughs> this is what they would sound like. So, long story even longer. They unfurl the banner that they found, but we want to do the right thing. We're gonna send. We want to bring this back to to Fenway, and uh, but you know we want. We expect there to be some sort of reciprocation where the Red Sox maybe can hook us up with playoff tickets or, or a lunch <laughs> or a lunch. Right? Like no matter how many times, like. Is this a room? Is this a bit? You you uh. think it is. And here is the best part. They claim they were just drive three guys just driving for coffee cuz three 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 guys from Somerville often just middle of the afternoon. Let's go for a coffee. Right, a coffee? Coffee, sorry. A coffee. I can't even do a box. A regular. <laughs> yeah. Uh, th- no, actually, I'm not surprised that in the middle of the day, these guys may have seen something on McGrath Highway. But but they say they saw it, and say it with me, quote unquote, fall uh, off a, a truck. truck. <laughs> they literally said it just fell off, and, and we didn't know what it was. It it could have been jerseys. It's like and like I said to Joe, was the truck in question Fred Sanford's truck that was had some. Red Sox decals. Why did they assume it was going to be some kind of Red Sox related? Right. Uh, exactly. Somehow, but right. It was wrapped in paper, yet somehow they knew it was Red Sox. Who knows? So, and they're talking about. You got to see the video because they talk about. Now we hear that they might decide to reproduce this banner, but we know if they do, we know in our heart of hearts that this is the true banner. That should be swinging over the the green monster. They they truly made it sound like there would be riding in the streets if the Red Sox tried to pull a fast one over on their fans <laughs> and have another. And it's like, like how do we even have this? Like nobody made this. It's like okay, <laughs> yeah. But it also made it sound like it would be a it would be like a fucking sin, dude. If anything were to happen, 
to this banner if the Red Sox weren't to uh, reciprocate. They tried so hard to use as many big words as they could. It reminded me of the uh, the skin on the lemon color when uh, Damon Wayans would play the, uh, the, the he was a, he was the enlightened prisoner, but he would always misuse words like it's a conspiracy. It's a C O N spiracy. <laughs> now I'm. You know, I don't want to even get into the routine, but you understand what we're talking about. Anyways, check it out. It's a funny video. If you want to see two, anytime Boston accents make national news, I'm excited. Right. Uh, you know, a few months back, there were these two Boston fisher guys who found like a starfish that they thought was a baby whale. That's a fucking whale, dude. You it, and what and one of the sports stations I listened to intercut the two interviews back and forth, and they're like, <laughs> "Are these the same guys?" Uh, so, just a quick update. Um, the company that made the banner, because somebody actually did make it, yeah. uh, who also made the other banner that is now hanging, you know, at Fenway Park, um, which set them back what at least three hundred bucks. Funny, funny fact, fun fact, funny fact, fun fact. That printing company has. File the police report because their take on it is somebody stole. Stolen. <laughs> That's right. Um, I got it. The guys <laughs> who stole the banner from the Red Sox. Yeah. You want a free oven mitt. <laughs> so it, it, it's it's so worth checking out. And also check out the baby whale thing. Um, now moving on a little bit. So Michael Moore's film came out yesterday. Ah. Uh. So I saw a fun interview this week, and it wasn't a gotcha question to Michael Moore, but it was Fahrenheit 9-11, you pulled the fire alarm warning that George W.'s administration was going to be the end of days in a catastrophe. Isn't this like a boy crying wolf again? And Michael Moore's like, you realize we're still fighting a war <laughs> 18 years later, that had nothing to do with the people... First of all, you're wrong on two counts. Okay. One, it's two wars. Thank you. Second of all, it's 17 years later. Thank you again. But seriously, he goes down the list. Actually, no, wait. 15 years later, because it started in 2003. But the eh, who cares? Anyways... Six yeah. months later? Six months later. Yeah. <laughs> so Michael Moore, who, who did bring a gun to a knife fight, points out... You know, George Bush is is the beneficiary of somebody being worse at president than him, which I never thought I'd see in my lifetime. But before we whitewash, you know, his his Wikipedia page, let's go over what I said was going to happen in the administration. Um, so we invade a country on made up information, which, you know, it, it's still ambiguous whether there actually are. War, crime, you know, weapons of mass destruction. No, no. Oh. Whether they like, oh, oh, it, it's right. been rumored that George Bush and, and Dick Cheney don't leave the United States. You know, they don't travel abroad and and do like George Bush went to like the Vatican for the thing, which is its own country. But there are some countries they will never go to because they'll be tried. For they'll war be tried crimes. for war crimes. They literally will be tried for war crimes. Um, they collapse the economy. <laughs> It was the now. It's not all of their fault, but maybe all the tax breaks that you gave the big people, the look the other way. You look at all the catastrophes that be, 
expel the United States when he was given the presidency in those eight years. Now, yes, Blotus has done a tremendous job overshadowing that eight-year shitstorm. But here's Michael Moore basically going down like the quick list of like, let, let, let's just do the greatest hits. Right. I was right. <laughs> I like so comparing George W. Bush to Donald Trump, it's quality versus quantity. So, you know, George W. Bush did heinous, heinous things in their administration, heinous things to the United States, but not as frequently as the daily heinous things that are happening to the United States thanks to the Trump administration. Now, the Trump administration, you know, time will tell how devastating their actions will be against this country. But for right now, a lot of the stuff that keeps popping up, it's like, I can't believe he said this. I can't believe he'd done that. You know, and it's, it's daily. So in the short 18-month span, almost two years, yeah, about an 18-month span of Donald Trump's uh, administration, we're getting almost two terms worth of the of George awful. Bush. Yeah, of awful that we experienced during the George Bush administration. So, uh, so Michael but, Moore was, though. He was like, no, I wasn't a boy at Cartwolf. George Bush was fucking awful. We're still fighting those wars. It took eight years of Obama to dig out of the financial crisis, the housing crisis, yeah. the automobile crisis. Uh, um, well, you know what? What else? The, the airline crisis. Yeah. You go down the list. Like nobody had ever come into the White House with a bigger deficit and and a worse economic. I mean, we were in full on recession. Yeah. You know. Uh, Donald Trump was a beneficiary of, you know, in the eight years of Obama, you could see the steady line of unemployment going down and down and down. Oh, uh, you know, uh -huh. but the thing is, Michael Moore, the point is, Michael Moore is like, yeah, George Bush was fucking awful. I wasn't an alarmist. Um, right. And, and yes, this movie, I'm coming out again, and I'm not saying it because it's another GOP person. Like, Michael Moore was never carrying the water for Obama. And that's the problem is, you know, our side of the fence tends to hold our people to a higher standard. Um, what's that term? Oh, Al Franken, for instance. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. um, Accountability. And, you know, right, I, I get it. Yeah, right. We, we're, we're not as all in as the Republican Party is, which leads us to women for Kavanaugh. Please tell me you saw the picture finally. Oh, I, I saw it like for day one. It, dude, how great is that? Right. Can you, you, you're a funny guy. You're a creative guy. Could you make that up? No. Describe it to the folks who must have seen this. <laughs> hey, guys, remember that picture that popped up on social media a couple of days ago with the bus that had a stenciled on its side? It's a big red bus with fucking Kavanaugh's face right near the driver's seat. And on the side, it says in white letters, women for Kavanaugh. And, of course, posing in front of that bus, um, who knows if it has gas in it, um, is all the women for Kavanaugh. I'm sorry. Six women for Kavanaugh and seven men for Kavanaugh. <laughs> and, you know, the men holding anti-women choice signs. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, the, the, just the term women for Kavanaugh, is it like a bus to round up women for Kavanaugh? <laughs> is, it, <laughs> is it like, uh, it's a little ambiguous. So let's, we're not going to spend a, a whole hell of a lot of time on this, but let's quickly review. Um, and of course, we're talking about Brett Kavanaugh, who's a, the Supreme Court Justice nominee, who's basically going to be steamrolled 
Into a lifetime. They flat flat out said it. Mitch McConnell yesterday. So he's been accused of doing something stupid and heinous. I shouldn't say stupid or forgivable. Heinous act when he was 17 and he was an entitled, rich, you know, private school kid who assaulted a a 15-year-old girl at a party. This girl, this woman, a professor has come forward. Everybody knows what's going on. What's her name? Oh, who knows? Ford. Yes. Ford, yeah. So she... Anyways, and the, yeah, and the whole she, game, what's, what's great, nothing, uh, but one, <laughs> one of the interesting facts is like now the GOP is trying to say, well, they had this information for months. Why did they not? Why did they just bring it up now? Well, they didn't, which is why Kavanaugh backdated his list of 65 women. He didn't try to rape. And like I said last week, he had to make at least 100 calls to get 65 women to say he didn't try to rape them. That's a pretty good turnaround. His best friend in high school or, or a friend <coughs> who was allegedly in the room has written book about doing these kind of things, completely misogynistic. Uh, in, in his friend's yearbook page, um, some women need to be hit by a gong, like a gong, was his quote. You know, and, and, P, and all these things have come out since then. It's like the misogyny. Now, that's a dickish thing to do. Now, are we going to let one stupid thing that somebody did 30 years ago hold them from getting a job? Like, what... Are you saying that Brett Kavanaugh shouldn't be allowed to work again? Is that what you're saying? And I am not saying that. Oh, okay. Am I saying he shouldn't have a lifetime appointment where this guy who has a history of misogyny is going to be the deciding factors on women losing the right to control issues regarding their body? Yes. And that's how you play devil's advocate. Ta-da! And scene. scene. But, uh, but no, it's just all kinds of awful because they're trying to... It, 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 I don't know where to begin, Joe. We so, can't. Uh, uh, what, uh, so the Anita Hill thing was awful. And the way she was treated 20... 20 almost 25 years ago? 25 years ago? Yeah. More than 25. It was like ni- in the early 90s, yeah. So two, two of the, so the 12 men on the council like deciding you know, the fate of this, all over 60, mostly over 70 white guys, a couple of them were around during the Anita Hill thing. And... It's Orrin Hatch and Lindsey Graham, who, when you listen side by side to what they said about Anita Hill and this woman, uh, she, she, I think she's misremembering the facts. Uh, you know, you, you go down the list. It's like they're saying the same thing. Yep. The whole Me Too, Time's Up, 30 years of what it, – it, 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 it's not just as bad. It's worse because Anita Hill wasn't getting death threats. Anita Hill didn't have to – Hire security and relocate her family. Um, you know, and then of course, you know, like with Pizzagate, you have a couple of these Alex Jones out there posting the email addresses and the addresses and the phone number of this woman, Ford, or other professors on the other side of the country who also have the last name Ford, who are now being harassed because misinformation about fake news, about Bam. Oh, this is the woman. You know, it's. Well, what does Ford have to complain about? I mean, she's going to get a lot of book deals. She's going to get a lot of publicity out of this. She's going to make out like a bandit, like Anita Hill. And it's. Uh, I'm playing devil. About, about everybody was just waiting. And Blotus didn't. He didn't attack the victim. This is the first time he didn't go after her. A woman's story or credibility for nearly twenty-four hours. Oh yes, okay. You had <laughs> me. Oh, I, no, you but know, I took people, the bait. People kept saying it's like, 
The tweets are coming, and it didn't. It didn't for nearly 24 hours. Somebody roofied his, uh, somebody went Cosby with his Dr. Pepper. Right. No, his Diet Coke. They replaced his phone with a candy phone. (laughs) And And then he ate through all the candy and said, hey, wait a minute. And so, yeah, so he, uh, it's, if this really happened, you know, why didn't, you know. We need a date, a time, and a place noted, you know. And, and, and so they, they don't, they will not, the flat out said, nope, we're not going to have an FBI investigation on this. Nope, we will not subpoena this guy who, again, wrote a book. His name is, you know, Karanov's friends, his name, his name is Judge, wrote a book about being a blackout drunk in high school and college and the awful things that he did to women. And they won't subpoena this guy to come. They said, she can show up on Monday or we're not going to hear at all. It's like, okay, so you're bullying the victim now. You're, 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 you're controlling everything about the narrative and the situation. And it's yeah. like, did you find out if she could be there? Anyways, uh-huh. it doesn't matter because flat out, you know, Mitch McTurtle came right out yesterday and said, you know, it, it, again, not in a private meeting. What did he say? Taped. Uh, we're going to steamroll this through. Don't worry. The nomination's going to happen. He will be in the Supreme Court be turned before the midterm. Then what's all the fuss about? <laughs> exactly. We know how it's going to end. Come on. Let's stop wasting time here. But that's exactly it. Like, it's a, uh, quote, unquote, it's a hiccup. It's a fait accompli. Uh, but, you know, it's so awful that uh, another another mass shooting in a workplace, I think... I think it made the news cycle 20 minutes, 25 minutes. And the crazy thing, in Maryland, four people shot at a Rite Aid um, distribution center. But at least they didn't die. Four people died. Oh, I'm sorry. Three victims or, you know, and the gun woman. Mm -hmm. Yep. You you never hear. It's so rare. Um, Luckily, white. So, Uh you know, so it cycled out of the news right away. I see. So if it was a woman of color, maybe. It would have been. Because, you know. We like the the YouTube shooter. They didn't know who it was. Right. Right away. You know, it was like, you know, we didn't know until I think later that day or like the next day that it was a woman. That was doing the shooting, so they just assumed it could. Mo- it most likely is a guy shooting up the YouTube place, and then oh, it's a woman. Well, let's see how we can sex this thing up. And oh, she's got some crazy videos on YouTube. Let's put that up, you know. So that you know uh, kept the story going for a couple of days. So I don't know. Maybe if this woman has some hot um, Instagrams or but, Facebook pics, it maybe it'll get some. It play. already cycled out of the news. Aww. It was on Tuesday or Wednesday, yeah. but the whole Kavanaugh thing overshadows it, which. You know, it's horrible to say, you know, three people died, but this is a lifetime awful and how many more people... Anyways, you know what? NRA TV should have picked this up and covered it because they're the gun news network. They really are. Uh, uh, No, no. It wasn't a black person with a gun. They would have covered it that she had every right to have that gun. Oh, right. And you know what? If those fucking lazy, too cheap to buy their own gun victims had their own guns, they'd be alive today, Joe. Why, Why do we blame... The real victim here, the gun manufacturers. Yeah. You know, uh, okay, so we're going to move on. The last, uh, I just want to do say. We're at 50 uh, minutes, by the way. Arizona Republican Paul Gozar, Gozar, G-O-S-A-R. Oh, I saw this. I saw this. Can you take it? I know this. <laughs> Go ahead. I saw this this morning. I, <laughs> we see uh, an ad for uh, Arizona Rep uh, nominee, Paul Gozar, who's the de- the Democratic nominee in an Arizona race against the incumbent Republican, right? No, I think Gozar is the rep. Paul Paul Gozar is the rep. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. So Paul Gozar is the Repu- you say rep Republican Re- representative, is the, right? Is the Republican representative who's the incumbent, and he is. Um, th- there's an ad which mentions his name. Uh, it's an anti-Paul Gozar ad, and they have these regular old, you know, regular Arizonians talking about how Paul Gozar is not for the environment. He's not for the working man. He's not or the working person. He's not for uh, lowering. Um, you know, tax. I don't, not you know, he's not for the ideals of what every Arizonian. He's an awful person who yeah. shouldn't be in office. Yes, thank you for being so succinct. Extinct. Um, you wish. <laughs> and then at the end of the ad, you get the M Night Shyamalan twist of the of the century. The where- village was really in modern day. Oh, you spoiled two movies. Now. He was a ghost the whole time. <laughs> um. You hear, you know, you see their names at the beginning, like you know, it's like Mary, S- Mary Sam, uh, John, and then at the very end, you see, you hear them say, "I'm John Gozar. I'm Mary Gozar. I'm Larry Gozar. I'm the brother, sister, brother of Paul Gozar, and we are against Paul Gozar being the next or the the, the, the voted in the six rest. Yeah. siblings. Six siblings uh, think that he should be voted out." Um, they are, of course, all Democrats, and he is the lone Republican sibling. So he's like the Alex P. Keaton, but uh, less charming. <laughs> um, so that you know, so that that was the happy news. Check out that Paul Gozar ad, and then you know, move on to the next fucking thing because that's how news works. All right. So um, if 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 my band's gonna keep playing shows and have to come up with gas money, and we're gonna keep going to ex. Expensive, expensive emo Philip shows. <laughs> Eight dollars a ticket on Groupon. Uh, let's come up with some cash. Let's go to that defunct sponsor of the week. I know Cool, and Cool's teaming up with a good balanced breakfast. Teaming up with Mr. T cereal. It's getting on the team, the team that knows how cool breakfast can be. You get a crispy corn taste with a touch of brown sugar. Teaming up with Mr. T. It's Cool. Teaming up with Mr. T. Okay, right into football. Uh, Joe, say it with me. Cleveland rocks. Cleveland Browns for the first time. Like, like I, I, I talked about it. Uh, they tied their first game, and the very Cleveland-ishy of Cleveland ways by throwing an interception at the end of regulation, which would have put them in. You know, field goal range. Field goal range, and then missed the field goal to end overtime. But that tie meant for the first time in 14 seasons they did not start the season 0 and 1. Um, the next week, you know, very competitive battle, uh, but they lost. But this week, for the first time, and let me do the math. Like so, they were 0 and 16 last year, and they were 1 and 15 the year before, winning. Their second to last game of the season. So they've gone nearly two calendar years without a win. One, beat the New York Jets. J-E-T-S, suck, suck, suck. At home, Thursday night, and Cleveland lost their shit. Like, even the police department were like, this is great. Please don't burn stuff. <laughs> I remember the tweet from the Cleveland uh, Cleveland police was like, way to go, Cleveland. Way to go, way to go Browns. Um, and he goes, oh, wait, 
the free beer thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the Cleveland fans, take it easy, will you? Yeah, Bud Light had a promotion. I don't know exactly what it was, but free beer upon winning. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I didn't, I wasn't also, I don't think they should have paired that with the free boards with nails in it. <laughs> it was a different promotion from another thing. It's the calendar's just Synergy. Sitting, you know. Uh, but yeah, so the Cleveland Browns right now have a better record than the Pittsburgh Steelers who are at 0-2. Uh-huh. Um, so and arguably a better record than the New England Patriots. Shut it. <laughs> <laughs> Shut it. Um, yes, my beloved uh, Patriots. Like uh, did not things did not work out last Sunday as had hoped or as had predicted. Or I, has had imagined. I mean, for Christ's sake, you know, uh, you know, I, I, you know, had them beating, um, you know, Jacksonville, but uh, it wasn't even close. I mean, the score wasn't completely lopsided, but the special team sucked. Uh, Brady, the, the offense sucked, the defense was worse, and so the Patriots go into this week's game against longtime former um, defensive coordinator who is realizing that, wow, it's a lot harder being a coach than it is a defensive coordinator. It's a lot harder working for the Detroit Lions yeah. than the New England Patriots. Um, so they're 0 and 2, and I think they go 0 and 3. I, uh, the Lions go 0 and 3. I think the Patriots. But the Patriots are um, not good. No. They not are good. not. They're not as good. Let's just. They, wanna, they, if we want to be. They, nice they about truly. It. And now people are starting to really like. The the whole in Belichick we trust and who do we trust? He always knows what he's doing. And now people are like, so Tom Brady is like ranked twenty fifth and like he only has two passes more than twenty yards in the two games, and both of them are to Gronk for like twenty one yards. I mean, we got rid of Cook who went down the field. We got you know rid of Amendola who only caught four or five passes a game, but each and every pass were for third and, and you know, third and 12. Um, he was always making the money grabs, and uh, we replaced him with nothing. We replaced him with nothing. But last couple days, um, it's funny, Cleveland gets rid of this guy and win a game, and now we are the... Uh, the recipients. Pr- the, the proud recipients of... Um, uh, of uh, uh, Gordon. of Gordon, what's his first name? Jeff, Jeff, Jeff Josh, Josh, Josh. <laughs> who his rookie year five years ago was teetering on being rookie of the year. I mean, just a money guy. Just he is the next Randy Moss. He is the next To. He is the next in that line of great receivers. What happened uh, over the last four seasons between being suspended for drug abuse and for? Checking himself into rehab before being suspended for drug use. I think he's played 14 games in the last four seasons. Um, but more, this was a year? More than I've played. Much more than you've played. Uh, but today, you have as many touchdown passes from Tom Brady as he does. <laughs> so he, uh, so he's, uh, we, we got him for a fifth-round pick. We get a seventh-round pick back if he doesn't play 10 games. Um, here's the big problem. Receivers do not come in to the Patriots' offense and click. Yes, Randy Moss was different. Randy Moss is the only time we've gone out and got a different receiver who, from day one, clicked with Brady. That's because it's Randy fucking Moss. Um, Okay, Randy, run 20 yards past the closest defender, and Tom will overthrow you by 20 yards 
which you're coming out with. You know? <laughs> uh, but like honestly, when 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 other people came here, Ocho Stinko and stuff like that, th- their offense is complex. It takes Brady a while to warm up to somebody. Um, but yeah, we we truly have half the offense we did last year. And, and 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 you know, I'm not boring everybody with too much Patriot talk, but we could have kept Amendola. It was a money thing and it's like, well, you knew Jules wasn't going to be here the first four games and you still decided to cheap out on a guy that is a security blanket for Brady. It's like, oh, would we be would we have won last week? Who knows? But do you ever really think at this point in the Patriots franchise that it's solely a money thing when it comes down to it? Do you think there are other Extenuating no, circumstances it, 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 or other facts, or is it- they've never, they've never been at the cap. Like, like there's a cap and there's a ceiling, and some teams have paid fines for going over the cap, and some teams have been um, uh, uh, had draft picks taken away for for cap violations and stuff. We are so usually ten million under the cap, and it's always been a. Last year we didn't have that. Last year was the first time the Patriots went out and broke the bank, and they overpaid for you know. Uh, 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 the the cornerback from Buffalo. They overpaid for the running back from Buffalo. They got Cooks for a first round draft pick, and it was the first time people were like, "Okay, the Patriots. This is the first time they're pushing all the chips in. They are going for it. They are loading Brady up. They've never gone out and got him a, a receiver like Cooks since Randy Moss. Mm-hmm. You know, they've never gone out and got a top flight running back. Of course." Cooks kind of worked out. The running back didn't work out at all. He's got cut, and I think he's on a practice squad for somebody now. And and the cornerback, you know, same thing. Like, last year had a tough year. But they went all in last year, and this year they're like, so we've had seasons where we haven't gone all in, and we've won the Super Bowl. We've had seasons where we've gone all in, and we've broken the bank, and we didn't win the Super Bowl, so... Let's cheap out. Mm-hmm. I All don't right. know. Yeah, I got you. I get you. All right. But so we've already talked about the socks, and we don't care. I'm more interested in the banner story than and that's the only interesting thing I find with the Red Sox. And now we're moving on to video games. And before Joe says anything, let me tell you what a complete loser Joe is. How much time do we got? A lot. <laughs> um, so Joe last week tells us all about getting Spider-Man and how great it is. I see him last night, and I just had assumed you've been playing Spider-Man all week, and then you tell me. No. Because. I'm playing Zelda on the Switch. <laughs> and I look at him, and I think, you're a loser. Like, you just have this brand new game. You're almost as bad. Is a guy who the last week was complaining, lamenting that he's trying to play a game from 2011, Batman Arkham City, the second in the Batman Arkham trilogies. We don't Quadri- count Origin. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, oh, no, oh, no, no, we don't count Arkham Knight? No, no, no. There's, Ar- there's Arkham Asylum, yeah, Arkham, Arkham City. City, Arkham Knight. Arkham, uh, uh, Batman Origins oh, was in the middle, yeah. wasn't really in that continuum. Oh. It was sort of in that line, but Rocksteady wouldn't do it. Like, the company that did the other three oh, right. didn't do it because they wanted to focus on Arkham Knight. Okay. And so it's not really considered part of that line, although it's a lot of a similar. Anyways, so I was saying, for some reason, my PS3 kept crashing. So... You're a loser because you got this brand. No, you're a loser because you went all the way to Hartford. You went to that retro show, and on the way back from the retro show, you stopped at GameStop to get the new game, which you were going to play, which you loved. And then you went back to getting other retro games and doing the Switch. And that's when I'm like, oh, what a loser, Joe. You're the kind of guy who. And what I. 
What somebody may or may not have done, depending if management is listening, got frustrated with their PS3 crashing, because I want to play this whole game, may or may not have gone to GameStop and bought a used exact same model so management nor the children will notice that I bought a... I'm sorry, that somebody may or may not have got so that they can play a seven-year-old game themselves. So you were a loser, but I think I got you. <laughs> I, think I, I think I... Everybody gets one. Yeah. Uh, but you're back to... I got here today, and you're back to Spider-Man. Yeah, I was playing it literally as you came in. Um, it's, it's so much fun. So I love Spider-Man for the PS4. It's so vast. It's... Uh, it, it, there's so much to explore, so many side missions. It's a little, little miniaturized New York City. It's fun. It's funny. Like there's dia- like the dialogue is actually funny. Like you, you, they got the personality of him down. Yes, and uh, it, it's just a good fucking time as Marvel usually delivers. Um, but it, it is a startlingly similar in style and game mechanics to Batman: Arkham City, except Batman can't spray webs out. Pick up bags of cinder blocks and spin them around no. and beat people with them. No, no, he can't. But well, he, Spider-Man doesn't kill, yet he knocks people off skyscrapers. They somehow land on a mattress somewhere. <laughs> I don't know how it works. Uh, don't ask me how gravity works in these video games. That you're, you know. Anyways, but it's a, it's a good time. I uh, recommend it. But we're not, are we doing a random video game review? Well, we, we got already... other things. So tell us about the the, the the new games, the new old games you're playing. Oh, but it's hardly thing, hardly anything. It, but it's new. That they they're just porting new old games into the Switch, right? So a ni- whole bunch. Yeah. So if you have a Nintendo Switch, you now realize if you you probably whoever's listening probably does not have a Nintendo Switch unless it's you, Jacques. Um, but in the since the Nintendo Switch came out. Nintendo games that were played online, like Splatoon, that was all free. It, you know, you would be able to just sort of match up with anybody online for free. That's gone away now that Nintendo has launched the Nintendo Online service, which for an individual membership, you can pay $20 a year, and you get to play games, you, you know, you get to. You can now play games online uh, and pay for it, but it's sort of like a... a uh, like uh, like uh, some sort of fake incentive or um, something that makes you think that you're getting value from this service, they ha- Nintendo has released this uh, app that you download with the online service called Nintendo uh, or Nintendo Entertainment System Online. It's essentially th- twenty Nintendo games or thirty Nintendo games that um, you can play. Um, emulated on your switch on the go like you don't have to be hooked up online to play it you just down- it downloads to your switch and you can play games like legend of zelda super mario brothers super mario Bros. 3 tech mobile and um the uh, the fun factor here is that if you have a friend who has a nintendo switch and the N- nintendo online service and you have their friend code and you you know you make them your friends on the switch you can play two-player games simultaneously um, like I could play you in Tech Mobile if I wanted to, um, over uh, the online service, which is cool. It's it's something that's you know people have kind of imagined probably who are into retro gaming for a long time as being able to play with friends, you know, uh, online. 
but it, there's a little bit of a lag or latency, you know, when when you're doing these th- these types of games because of just the you know the transfer speeds. But it's it's still doable. It's still playable. Um, I haven't tried it myself because I don't have any friends. Uh-huh. But it's it's cool. You can play. So yeah, I've been playing Legend of Zelda on the Nintendo Switch. So isn't that exciting, it, folks? No, it, it it is because now. This segues nicely into your pal, Pat Contry, predicting the video crash of 2019. Is he calling for a crash next yeah. year? Yeah. No, no, that's um, that's something different because you're, you're conflating two different stories. So he's ref- Pat Contry, who's Pat the NAS Punk on YouTube. He's a retro gaming YouTube guy who uh, is way into the Nintendo. He was referring to something that Sony is going to release in December called the Sony PlayStation Classic, which is like the Nintendo Classic that was released you know, a couple of years ago, the plug-and-play thing where it has the built-in games, and you plug it into your TV, and it looks like a little mini Nintendo entertainment system. Sony's doing the same thing with the original PlayStation. Like when Resident Evil 1 came out, it came out for the PlayStation. Um, but they don't know how many... They know that 20 games are going to be on this little uh, plug-and-play system for Sony. But... Um, you know, it's sort of like, okay, now Sony's sort of following in step with all these other companies that have licensed their games for these little plug-and-play things, like uh, uh, Nintendo has with the Super Nintendo Classic, the NES Classic. Um, um, but So what you're referring to is that Pat said he's now thinking, okay, now every company is going to be doing it with their classics like the turbo graphic 16 classic and the you know the the atari you know 800 computer classic Did he mentioned coleco yeah like the coleco well coleco already does have like a, a plug and play thing that's been out for years but uh there's a bunch of those so but what playstation is coming out with is you know pretty interesting in and of itself like if you haven't had i guess if you don't want to go online and buy the individual games that are already available for download on the PlayStation 4. Like, you can play PlayStation 1 games emulated on your PlayStation 4, you know, for like, you know, five bucks a game or seven bucks a game. I don't know how much it costs. But this is sort of like an all-in-one kind of Christmas package thing where you give it to somebody who's a casual person. Like, hey, man, remember the the PlayStation? Remember, you know, uh, Resident Evil or whatever? Whatever game's going to be on there? And uh, here, there's going to be 20 of these PlayStation games. So, you know those that what Nintendo used to be. Nintendo's retro, but now it's gotten to the point where Sony PlayStation One is retro. So there's going to be a lot of these little emulation boxes probably coming out in the next two or three years. And Pat's saying oversaturation is going. To yeah, and I think it was a little tongue in cheek, just because you know, oh, and now Sony's getting into the act. Um, so whatever, it. I think it's. I think it'll be fun. I probably won't pick it up because I wasn't nostalgic for the the Sony PlayStation as I am for the Nintendo Entertainment System. As your wall of shame would indicate. Yes, yes. I I think I own eighty versions of Super Mario Brothers three. <laughs> let's uh, let's stay on the uh, retro gaming thing. I see <sighs> something. Oh, I see something on the Twitter this week that I forwarded you, and I couldn't tell from your response whether you knew this and it was old information or whether you were on the same page as the person who tweeted it out, um, the guy Bird from 98.5 The Sports Hub. Like, you know, he um, somebody I follow. And Duck Hunt, did you know that the second gun controlled the bird? I did, but it wasn't apparent to me when I was a kid, or maybe if I knew it was a kid, I forgot. And then I had been reminded of it, like, within the last five years. 
because I watch a lot of retro stuff online. Okay. So I kind of knew it. And by the way, somebody else pointed this out online. It's in page eight of the manual of Duck Hunt that the second controller can control the the ducks in Duck Hunt. Who the hell reads the manual? <laughs> you can lose your man card for even saying the word manual. Um, oh Christ! The only manual I know is a shortstop for the Cardinals. Um, I think that's manual labor. That guy, you know, really good. Okay. <laughs> Two, three, right into the propeller. <laughs> he walked right into the propeller. Um, sticking on gaming. Okay. Uh, so management sends me an article. Uh, I'm sorry, a news clip, <laughs> which I watch. And then when I pick up the the littlest little bastard who got off the bus the other day, I'm like, here, Papa wants you to watch this news story. It's a news story about a 45-year-old guy who has been arrested, I want to say in Albany, New York. Um Sidebar, uh, when you see guys like this and you see their mugshot and you think, wait, he's five years younger than me and he looks 20 years older, maybe I'm not as... Anyways, um, because he made several death threats uh, to a 12-year-old who beat him in Fortnite. And I guess he had been playing Fortnite with this kid for months. We'll get to that part of the story in a moment, folks. But... The kid, you know, had beat him and, like, took his guns or something like that in Fortnite. So this guy didn't say, you fucking little bastard, I'm going to kill you. No, he kept messaging him. Messaging him, I know where your school is, which caused um, the school to be put on alert and the cops go there. And, all. and they go to the guy's house, didn't have any firearms, but had a high-powered BB gun. But... He didn't send one messages, didn't let this go over a couple days. I know where you live. Your parents are going to be crying at your grave. I know where you go to school. Literally over Fortnite, this guy is in jail for making death threats to a 12-year-old. Um, I'm going to jump ahead to my parenting tip of the week. <laughs> Don't let your fucking kids play Fortnite on a regular basis with the same 45-year-old guy, period, the end. If you're friends with somebody, great. But we are – like, you know, it's funny because, you know, we won't let the boys have headphones. And it's funny when you hear a bunch of seven- or eight-year-olds playing a game together and using bat language or something. Not that it's that funny. It's like – but – when you hear adult voices, it's like, this is why you guys will never have headphones and be in the clubhouse playing this game yourself. But he did. He looked at that, and it was a nice little – it scared the shit out of him, which good. This is why, yes, Papa and Mama are really mean not letting you have headphones in your little clubhouse to play games of 45-year-old people. But this is why you never tell anyone your name. You never tell anybody where you live. And – uh yeah, I monitor who you quote unquote friend and unfriend on on these systems, which is why you don't have your own password and never will. Even in college, you little fucks. <laughs> college. Uh, yeah, yeah, my son got into DeVry. <laughs> what do you do? Open the door. <laughs> Let me have this one. Um, so that, and while we're talking on Fortnite, you know, management also sent me another article <laughs> um, that I guess I don't I don't want to throw out a number, but it was a surprising how no high number of people who have cited Fortnite as the reason for divorce filings. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to... Did we already talk about the people who hire coaches for their kids to play Fortnite competitively? Yeah, that was in the Wall Street Journal. It was like yeah, some... Uh, it Forbes. Like, it was a big it, article. It was like a few weeks ago. Yeah, You know, these are crazy times, man. This is Trump's America or something like that. I don't know. So what you're saying is Chip Boy should cut the shit with this whole music Berkeley thing and start getting a job coaching little fucks in games. Well, first he should 
play Fortnite. And then... Yeah, I'm quite sure there are people out there willing to hire him for his Smash Bro prowess. Maybe. Maybe that. Maybe that's so. I don't know. So that's... Uh, I think that's the podcast. Thank God, because yeah, well, my ass is you, Yeah. Do you want to do a random game, or do you think we covered enough video oh, games? Oh, I think we're bored to tears with... Uh, <laughs> myself included. We are all... We do, This is like a... Uh, we're like... A very, very boring church sermon in, like, a Southern Baptist church with... No, I'm sorry, that's too much fun. Yeah, have you ever been? No, yeah, I mean, Dude. I've seen it on TV. No, no, I went, my again, the guy Daryl in high school grabbed, you know, took me to a black church in Roxbury, and it was one of those things. It was... It was a blast. Something out of Blues Brothers. Yeah, okay, and, I'm sorry. Wow! Yeah. Was that awesome? Yeah, okay, we're the opposite of that. We're the boring, like, there's that... Uh, the, the one of the Mormons. Yeah, on no, your door. yeah, yeah, okay. This is the long church, like the air, no air conditioning. The pews uh, have splinters in them. Uh, people just want to get up and go, but they're under some sort of spell that they haven't hit stop on their playback of this podcast. Let us out of here. Uh, do we want to go out on a specific song? Or I do. I want to, once again, could you find what the website is for the rationales? I do want to say thank you to Ralph's. I also want to say thanks to everybody who came. All Sean, quote-unquote, the professor's friends, Dan's friends, Joseph, you being there, uh, my friends Rodney uh, from the Mass Pirates, uh, Tom from the Worcester 78s, Antonio, the mascot of the Pirates, great guy. Not only did he show up for the thing, he stayed the entire night, and it was... It was a lot of fun, but I, I did. Uh, I want to say thank you again to the Rationales, um, an amazing band, rationales.com. Please check them out and vote where? Uh, BostonMusicAwards.com. And um, I don't know if they, I'm, I'm quite sure they have, they're, they're kids. They have to have Facebook and Twitter pages. Gold Star Boulevard. I, I actually looked on their Facebook, and when it comes up, the preview, it says how many likes they have. 65 likes. Well, hopefully we can get them a 67th or 68th. By the way, let's not cast aspersions, because I think we have four. You know what? On, on our, on our well, well, how do they do it? Yeah. <laughs> well, let's see. There's four guys in the band, right. but only three sets of parents, so that's six likes there. Uh-huh. Probably no, but seriously, they're 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 young and they're kids and they're they're good and they're going to get great. We um, need more jailbait on our podcast. They, they're, uh, but to they get are. Those likes up. I, I love how they have their own looks. Like each one of them, like I said, each one had their own individual look. You know the no button shirt guy. The white guy fro with the tie in the hair. The guy with the wool knit cap. No way, that's the monkeys. <laughs> the, uh, the you know the, the drummer with the red pants. Uh, and seriously, the bass player with the most gorgeous set of hair outside of any romance novel cover that I've seen in a while. And I'm not joking here. Jacques a big like he's a big hair guy. Like you you make comment about like guys with like awesome rock star hair. Like oh my god, like that's I want that hair. Or you know you 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 covet hair. I think I. I, I Look at my school. I, I mean, know. You remember have a- how my locks? You know, I did. I used to have great hair, flowing like literally. Locks. I mean, I had the hair where I could be a bad drummer, a complete off-putting personality, and get late like a motherfucker because I had great hair. You uh, did a lot. I think you originated Rapunzel cosplay. <laughs> but seriously, I'm still tempted to. Tell the kids, we're you from the future. Make better choices. <laughs> uh, so we will. We'll, we'll go out with a knit song. We'll go out with Capo Lull, which is the last song that we played in the night. Um, I, I Actually, I'm going to – I'll have management for you the link. Or can you post a link from the show on the Carnival Personnel, Personnel YouTube page? Is that a possibility? I, I, I got to have our IT people look at it. 
<laughs> sure. Yes. Hey, you got a 12 and 18 year old up there. Uh-huh. Millennials, they'll figure it out. Uh-huh. Uh, if not, my little guy. Well, he's eight. It's about time he hacks into like you know. Yeah. Um, but but no, the, the Gold Star Boulevard, the Rationales, uh, the Winter Ra- Project, the Winter Project. Sorry, it, it was great. Thank you again for joining. Uh, going, Joe. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Words are hard. We're losing light. <laughs> line. You're, you're line, George. You're line. Oh, hey, you. Don't forget. <laughs>